welcome to the second episode of the SBK Saturday Night Selections. It's going to be a bit more of a, a low-key uh, show this time around. We started off on a bit of a high with the Kentucky Derby. We've got Belmont to focus on this time around and also some European uh, contenders as uh, well. But as I say, last week it was a 20-runner uh, by runner analysis of the Kentucky Derby. Just a six to look at in the Man of War this time around. But one thing does stay constant. I'm Luke Elder and I'm being joined once again by Tom Collins. Tom, how are you doing? Yes, really good, Luke. Uh, not as well as I was last week heading into the Kentucky Derby, now knowing the result. Um, but there's plenty to talk about, which is always great for this podcast. Hopefully we'll have a few more winners this week. Yes, well, we'll start with the Kentucky Derby because we did a runner by runner analysis. <laughs> and we didn't mention the winner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that takes some doing, doesn't it? Um, yes, unfortunately, Ethereal Road, who was number 20, who we covered, was taken out prior to the um, podcast going live but after we filmed rich strike comes in as number 21 who wins of course number 21 rich strike just just for 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 listeners viewers to take us through your comments for rich strike because i would imagine it would be absolute certainty he can't possibly get beaten right oh yeah he was a good thing no matter what um he was heading into the kentucky derby with a best buyer speed figure on dirt of 64 uh tiber's best buyer speed figure on dirt was 103 so look he was the horse to beat rich strike um, he ran okay on his prior start on synthetics, posting a buy of 84, but still had 20 spots to make up. Uh, basically, he was a no-hope, a reserve, coming in from the widest gate. He was claimed for just 30K in September. He had no chance. He was 80 to 1 on the board. If he was 800 to 1, I wouldn't have looked twice, Luke. Yeah, I completely agree with, with that. But he did manage to win the Kentucky Derby. Uh, news after the race, he's not going to go for the Preakness. He's going to go for the Belmont, which... Uh, makes sense logistically. Obviously, you're not going to get a triple crown horse, but he's by keen ice. He's bred to stay. But we've had sort of disagreements over the last week of whether it's a good idea, bad idea. I, I said to you, I wouldn't blame them if they retired him on the spot after the Kentucky Derby, but he he's going to go for the Belmont. Yeah, he's going for the Belmont. I think it's a poor decision. Um, look, the Belmont's probably the best race suited to him but you only get one shot having a triple crown winner. Um, there, you don't get a triple crown winner every year. And Eric Reed, when's the next time he's even going to have a horse that could even contest a Kentucky Derby, let alone the, the triple crown. So I think he should be running in the Preakness. I don't think he would win it. Don't get me wrong. I think he'd be beaten by the likes of Epicenter, who we have to say, just touching back on the Kentucky Derby, Epicenter ran a phenomenal race. He was sixth round in the first bend. And in that event, Summer is Tomorrow, who actually led the field out, um, the UAE Derby second, he went 21.78 seconds through the first quarter, which is the fastest in Kentucky Derby history. As I said, you have to run to a, a speed figure of around 110 to win the Kentucky Derby. If Summer's Tomorrow carried on that speed figure that he ran in the first quarter, which was 169, um, he would have been the, by far the best Kentucky Derby winner in history. They just went far too quick. And Epicenter was sixth early. Every other horse around him up on the speed faded. Epicenter still managed to sustain his effort, finished second in the Kentucky Derby for Steve Asmussen. By far the best horse in the race, we have to admit. Rich Strike was helped by the pace bias and compromised front runners. He came through. But if Epicenter runs in the Preakness, he'll probably win that. If Rich Strike was in the Preakness, there, I would be very confident that he wouldn't beat Epicenter. Saying that, I still think connections should go there because, as I say, you only get one chance at winning the Triple Crown. Rich Strike now cannot by heading towards the Belmont. Yes, so he's not going to be going to, to Pimlico on the 21st. He'll be going uh, towards uh, Belmont in a few weeks' time. Now, one thing you said there has surprised me because just after the race, you were Team Zandon. I was Team Epicenter. Much like we were before the race, you have switched allegiances to Epicenter. <laughs> yes, yeah, so after the race, obviously, 
Sometimes you do talk through your pocket, I have to say. Uh, everyone <laughs> <No>. does it. <laughs> everyone does it slightly. And after the race, I was thinking, Epicenter has run a very good race, but I thought Zandon should have beaten Epicenter. Maybe not one, because obviously Rich Strike was an anomaly. Um, no one could have forecast that. But I thought Zandon was perhaps the best horse in the race. However, after watching the race many times back this week, I think Epicenter was the best horse. Zandon got a good trip. He got bumped around at the start, which wasn't ideal, but Flavian Pratt thereafter had the perfect trip up the inside rail, tracked through Epicenter, pounced in the straight, and he just didn't have enough horse to pass Epicenter. I thought potentially if he got a clean start, it would have been a different outcome. I was wrong. I think Epicenter was the best horse in the race. He sat close to a very, very fast gallop and still sustained his effort and beat the likes of Zandon, who closed him off the speed. Mo Donegal, who was fifth as well, still managed to fend him off. I think Epicenter is the best three-year-old at the moment. Um, and he's going to take a lot of beating in the Preakness. Yeah, I agree with that. Whether he'd be a Belmont horse, I doubt. He's got a lot of speed about himself. There, there was a point at the top of the straight that, again, I said to you just after the race, he quickened about, must have been about three lengths clear or so. And you thought, wow, this is this is going to be impressive. But he just couldn't keep up that gallop. And 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 understandably so. You mentioned the opening quarter for some race tomorrow. I think his opening half was 45-3. and three. Yeah, which I mean, that's too fast for a mile field, a seven furlong <laughs> field. Never mind, never mind a Kentucky Derby. That they were they were going a ruthless uh, early fractions, and and he kind of joined in with that. Yeah, Larry Colmus, uh, his commentary phenomenal, by the way. We should mention how good the commentary was, but he was shocked by it as well. He was expecting 47, 48, I'm sure. And he goes, Whoa, 45 <laughs> and three. It was electric early fractions. Um, we're not going to get that this week in the feature race we're going to cover. I, I just want to say as well, I want to dob Tom in for something. Last week, <laughs> like last week, we only had one outtake on the show, and that was Tom saying the early fractions for the Kentucky Derby. He said, <laughs> They're going to go a strong early fractions. They'll go, I don't know, 46 and a quarter. Oh, no, 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 scratch that, scratch that. <laughs> 46 and three quarters. And they, they went faster than your, your, your time that you said when you were joking slash wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I thought they were going to go very hard. There was so much speed in there. And even the fact that Classic Causeway, who was one of the front runners, missed the kick. They still went the fastest opening quarter and half in Kentucky Derby history. It was phenomenal. A brilliant race to watch. Surprise result, but you've got to love it. One thing we do agree on after the race, though, and the final thing we'll touch on with the Kentucky Derby, Mo Donegal, how far in the Belmont? Oh, yeah, he wins the Belmont, no doubt. Look, he got a terrible trip in, in the Kentucky Derby. He was broken from the inside gate. He was stuffed uh, against the fence for much of the contest. Then he had to switch 10 wide, basically, round in the home bend as the leaders all faltered. Stayed on well for fifth. There's loads of uh, stamina in his pedigree. He runs like he's going to appreciate the extra distance. I'd be shocked if he lost the Belmont, Luke. Yeah, that, that race is ideal for him, uh, Mo Donegal. But that's to come in the next few weeks. Rich Strike, the one we didn't mention, takes the Kentucky <laughs> Derby uh, last week. Albeit, I will say, the horses we did mention, we, we nailed the forecast. So well done to you. Yeah, good work there. We, we got the second and the third, which is uh, some doing, but uh, yeah. yeah, unfortunately not the winner. Yeah, go team. Go team. Um, we, we'll do the same this week. Luckily, Whatever happens, we're going to mention the winner this week because there are no reserves in the Man of War. Uh, there are six going to post a mile three uh, the, the trip. There are European interests in the race with uh, Yabir going over, but we're again going to do a runner-by-runner runner analysis, and uh, I've been given the odd numbers 
to do. So I will start off with uh, Easter, who uh, is one of the interesting runners uh, in the the race. He's a horse that in the past has come over from France. He had some fairly smart form over there. He did contest the uh, French 2000 guineas as well, albeit he was 10th behind St. Mark's Basilica uh, on that occasion. But he's not long been over in in America. He's only had one run at uh, Aqueduct. That was over a fair bit shorter than this as uh, well. He stayed on nicely, but he was one uh, one place behind So High, who is just about the only pace angle in this uh, race. But it's going to be interesting to see how Easter does improve for first and second start. Yes, number two in the Man of War is Gufo, one of the leading players. He's a five-year-old son of Declaration of War, hails from Christoph Clement's barn. He's been prolific throughout his career. He's won eight from 15 starts. He's a deep closer with a wicked turn of foot. Finished second in this race last year. Um, whether he'll go one better, I'm not too sure, but he's seven to five on the morning line. Yes, uh, the morning line, I think, is a little bit off with this one because your beer <laughs> is even money on the morning line. If he's even money, then go crazy do do whatever you want but he was disappointing last time around he was beaten at one to four at uh, Newmarket. he was beaten at maidan uh, as well however he's two from two over in america he won the breeders cup uh, he managed to uh, win here at, at belmont as well in the, the jockey club derby invitational i think we could just be looking at a horse who is a an american turf horse phenomenon uh, for for this season and i i thought at the start of the year tom that he might go through the year unbeaten in america and this is his starting point yeah, he's got a great chance in here. Number four is Aban. Now, he's one horse that Yabir will have to run down because Aban has tactical speed. Took a while for the penny to click with this horse, trained by Todd Pletcher, but he's done well since being upped and trip. He's yet to win a grade one or two, which means he gets four pounds from Gufo and Yabir. He's nine to two on the morning line. I think he'll turn for home in front. Can he hold on? I'm getting the majority of the ex-Europeans as well because number five is Highland Chief, a, whole, a horse that we know from the Coles, who, again, has only had one run over in America so far, and it was a horrible run that day. was posted out last, was was 12th of 12, managed to finish ninth in the end, but he was never, ever getting into the race. And he's not really a miler either. He was running over that kind of trip, an extended mile, as we'd call it, uh, over in the UK. He did close. He, he did shape quite nicely. This is a lot harder for him, but this is also more like his trip, and Obviously, we know from his time over in the UK, he is a very good horse. Yes. And the final horse to round out this year's Man of War is number six, So High. This is another um, ex-British trained runner. Uh, he was trained by John Gosden. He won a Lingfield Novice event before being sent out to the US. He looks like the pace in this field, um, but he's generally not competed at this high level. Actually, he's been beaten at allowance level a fair few times. His trainer, Naipaul Chatterpool, is also naught from 22 this season. He has a lot to prove, but he should be the pace in this field. Yeah. Uh, thank goodness he is here as well. Uh, as we'll, we'll jump more into the analysis now and that the pace is where we will start. Um, it kind of starts and ends at so high, maybe at a barn, but I kind of feel that if a barn tries to go a decent gallop, he's, he's just going to give the race on a plate to your beer. Yeah, I imagine a barn will sit second early on. This is a horse that's had plenty of um, chances in his career. As I say, the penny's only started to click recently, and that's because he's been going out hard from the front at the likes of Gulfstream and holding on. He's got plenty of stamina. Um, however, I do think he'll sit second so high, as you mentioned, is the pace. He'll just blaze to the front. Last year in the Man of War, he finished fifth. He tried to lead, but the likes of Channel Cat and Field Pass were in the field, and he just couldn't get to the, the front. He was third early, he had to go six wide, etc. I think the, the target for so high is to get the early advantage and hope to hang on a barn in second. Then you've got the two ex um, European horses. Easter will be probably third. And then right at the back will be Yabir and Gufo. Hopefully the pace will collapse. I'm pretty sure it will. Um, and then we'll get the proper match between the two big horses in here, Luke. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, we mentioned the morning lines, uh, even money, your beer, Gufo seven to five. I said to you earlier in the week, if if the, the forecast straight, your beer to beat Gufo was about six to four or so. I don't think that would be a bad bet at all. These two are just a lot better in my mind than the, the rest and the rest are playing for third place. We'll, we'll, we'll touch on Gufo because this is a horse who, I mean, he came onto my mind during lockdown. Uh, really, because he was running a, a golf stream. He, he went to a few other places as well and I managed to keep on improving. But he was second to Channel Cat here last year. You've, you've mentioned that already. He was well beaten in the Breeders' Cup turf, but he was about seven to one or so in the Breeders' Cup turf. He was the real plunge horse on the day. I, I, I mentioned to you that evening, I think he'll run all right, but that was more heart than head and the heart was wrong. Yeah, I think the East Coast is the, the ideal spot for Gufo. He's always got a great chance in these races because, as I've already mentioned, he's got the acceleration and the turn of foot that plenty of these horses running over this trip don't have. Um, as I say, he's prolific in his career. Most of those victories have come in New York. He's a major player in here, Luke. He finished, uh, he won the Pan American, sorry, last time out. Um, it was a very good effort, but that race was run to suit. They went hard early. Gufo just angled to the middle of the track, finished well, inhaled the leader. And maybe it'll be the similar case this time around, but he's going to have to outkick your beer. I don't know if he'll do that. Yeah. And one thing that we should say about your beer over, over in England, he's a, he's a very good group two horse. I'd say he's just a different horse over in America. Obviously the American turf scene, especially over this sort of trip around the mile and a half division, it's not quite that strong. Your beer, when he goes over, he's just a, a different sort of horse. He's, he's like I say, two from two over in America and, I, I can just see him being a different beast once again this season. Yeah, I, I agree. His two victories, we should mention, include the Jockey Club derby, which came at Belmont Park. So he's got course form. The other was in the Breeders' Cup turf. And even then, <clears throat> he was ridden out the back. He was keen early. Even though they went hard up front, the rest of the pack kind of stood um, in, in a big group. and They didn't go very hard. And he was right at the back of that group, pulling out the arms of William Buick. Yet he still finished with a flourish past Broom in the closing stages. This is a horse that relishes firm ground. He's got an incredible turn of foot. As you say, he's got the class being a, a group two, group one horse over here. Two from two in the US. Charlie Appleby last year couldn't miss with his US or Canadian runners. Surely he's the horse to beat. One question I'm going to put to you that I don't quite know the answer to, but I'm mm. intrigued. What's your one, two, three in this race? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, your beer is my strong selection. As you say, if it's anything like even money, then he's a massive play for me. Um, I can't really see him being beat unless he's too keen. Gufo second, unoriginal forecast, um, but he's the best horse, best, second best horse in the race. Good question about third. Depends how quick they go up front. If I was to play a tricast, I'd probably play Easter because I think he's the third best horse. But a barn could just hold off Easter if they go slow up front, Louis Size takes over the pace, heading for home and then sticks on for third. I'm not, too, I'm not sure. I would play Easter just at the prices, but I'm intrigued to see what your tricast would be. Finally, we disagree on something on this week's <laughs> podcast. I'd go your beer. Yeah. I'd go Gufo. I think that's as close to being a nailed on forecast as you can find. I like Highland Chief. I, I really think he's got a strong chance of running third. I don't think there's much between him and Easter. I think it is between the two. I, I, I don't know why, but I really don't like a barn in, in this race. Mm-hmm. Even though he could get a really nice setup, I just don't think he's, without being mean, I don't think he's that good. Uh, He's been running in some okay races at at Goldstream, and then suddenly Gufo comes back, and Gufo absolutely smacks him off the track last time around. When a barn had everything go perfectly for him, that needs to be said. Everything was absolutely spot on that day. Gufo came from the back when he was given quite a lot to do, as he normally is, and he pretty much went by him, not quite on the bridle, but it was pretty much hands and heels. Highland Chief, we know, is a good horse over on these shores. He, he had a horrible run of things on his, his American debut. 
I'd go if I was doing the six, because why not? <laughs> uh, your beer, Gufo, Highland Chief, Easter, a barn so high. I mean, it's optimistic to do the six. I'll tell you what, <laughs> considering we didn't manage the natural winner last week, if you can somehow rack up the one, two, three, four, five, six in the man of war, then fair play. Um, <laughs> I think Highland Chief's going to finish fifth. Um, I, my one issue with him is the fact that he seems to prefer soft ground and like rattling fast ground in New York. It, it might not be ideal for him. Um, yes, he had a, a tricky run at Aqueduct on his uh, stateside debut, as you mentioned. But I don't think he actually showed enough to contest this race. Um, yes, he won at Royal Ascot. He won the Golden Gate Handicap back in 2020. He is a good horse on his day. I'm not convinced about the ground. Um, I think Easter will run, will run home from mid-div, not as quickly as Yabir and Gufo. Aban, I agree, not as classy, but probably the best tactical horse in the race. So high, won't contest the finish, not good enough. Um, and then we'll see what Highland Chief turns up. Do you want a fun fact about Highland Chief? Go on. He was the first Glen Eagles to run phenomenal fact that 16 to 1 one at Newbury um yeah that's it it's not really that much of a fun fact it's just a nerd fact if anything else. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll steer away from from Belmont and we'll we'll have a look a, a bit more close at home as you know it's not just the US racing podcast it's the Saturday night selections at Saturday night racing brings in Doncaster uh, over in the UK uh Tom you've got one I've got two who are your or who is your one Yes, just one selection, Doncaster. Actually, I'm more confident about this selection than I was last week. I know in hindsight, with two losers, you can easily say that. But last week's Thirst card was very difficult on Saturday. This Doncaster card, I think you can get at. And there's one horse that I really like, which is Fresh Hope in the 810. It's daughter of New Approach is a half-sister to a horse called Declared Interest, who's rated 98 and was last seen in October, uh, running to a mark of 98 um, and finishing third in a listed event. I think Fresh Hope will develop into a similar kind of horse as Declared Interest. But Fresh Hope has only been awarded an opening mark of 78. There's plenty of room for manoeuvre there. She ran a great promise in two starts last year. Her reappearance, she got stuffed at four to seven. Some people are harsh with uh, facts like that. And they'll be like, oh, she's been beaten at a short price. I'm not going to be with her again. She finished third at Weatherby in a race where she travelled the best throughout. Jamie Spencer was looking over his shoulder thinking, God, I've got this on a plate. The horse then unfortunately weakened, faltered in the closing stages. She was coming back off a layoff. And the winner of that race was Rogue Millennium. Last week, she won the Lingfield Oaks Derby uh, Oaks Trial sorry, um, in great fashion for Tom Clover. I think that, that Weatherby event was good for the grade. Fresh Hope will take a step forward and hopefully win this race, the 8-10 at Doncaster. Yeah, that's a little bit later on. Mine are generally earlier on uh, in the, the, the day. Uh, bookmark is the main one who, who runs in the 5.33 at Doncaster. He'll be close anyway to be my nap of the day, uh, but has joined the Mark Lochnan team, was a, a decent third on that first start uh, for uh, his new stable. That was a better run that needs upgrading as well, because Pontifracts, I think I mentioned actually on the show last week, nothing's been making up ground from the, the back of the field. You, you have to be on the front end or at least in the first I don't know, three or four. Bookmark missed the, 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 the break. He ran around more at the back of the field and then he made a good bit of ground into the race as they sort of approached four furlongs five furlongs left to go and he managed to finish third like I say he was about the only horse to make up any sort of ground that night I think that's a run that really needs to be upgraded a fair bit and in the 635 at Doncaster as well I I really like Sip and Smile as an individual for George Bowie I think he could be a handicapper that's going to go places uh, this this season he's only rated 77 uh, Ross Coakley uh, taking the ride last time at Ascot 
there was a little bit of greenness still. The, 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 the Ascot thing, I don't know why horses do it, but hung left as they come up towards the other line. Uh, he still managed to run on and finish third. Before that, he had excuses at uh, Kempton when things didn't go right, was was very wide and finished sixth. They gelded him just after that. And then uh, Doncaster, uh, the time after, it was, a, a, again, much like Pontifact, a day that you were just having races dominated from the front, which is pretty unlike Doncaster. But up to seven furlongs, that's going to be no issue back here. And uh, I think Sip and Smile, uh, may well take a, a fair bit of beating in the 6.35. Just a word on Sip and Smile there. Go on. Um, obviously, George Bowie being an SBK ambassador, but you get the inside track on a few of these horses, and Sip and Smile was featured in George Bowie's horses to follow this year. He said the, the Britannia at Ascot could be the target for him. So if he's right about that, then he's probably well handicapped and you could be spot on. I mean, he ought to win that as well. If yeah. he's going for the pretend. <laughs> uh, but yeah, hopefully Sip and Smile uh, can win on the way towards the, the Britannia. Whether he wins the Britannia, I don't know. But I think he wins at Doncaster at the very least. But we'll get back to, to selections over in, in America in a few moments' uh, time. We do have questions in. We've got a Q&A. If you want to get involved in the Q&A as well, if you're on YouTube, leave a comment down below. I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> leave a comment down below. Like the video and do, do all that stuff. Um, but first question. This is a left field one as well. We start off with a question from Martin. Uh, it says, who is your favorite Parks-based jockey? I mean, it's just a phenomenal question, isn't it, Lou? Uh, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's, I mean, Parks is not a track that I, I, I would focus on too much of my attention on so tom you have the floor yeah i mean if you like uh, us racing on a monday night then then parks could be your bag um thank you martin for, for tweeting me with the question stats tell you that ruben silvera is the number one jockey he's been the leading rider at parks for the last two years um he gets on a fair few mounts as well and tends to run in every race which obviously helps you racking up the tally of winners however the, the jockey i would focus on if you like your racing at parks is Jamie Rodriguez. Um, he's got currently a 28% strike rate at Parks, which is obviously Philadelphia, for those of you that, that play there. Um, and he often rides for a trainer called Jamie Ness, who has a phenomenal record with horses off the claim. Um, he's kind of in the same ilk as Steve Asmussen, just doesn't have the same level of horse as Asmussen does. Uh, when Jamie Rodriguez teams up with Ness, they tend to strike very often. And when they send one to Parks, they're ones to follow. Yeah, I think I've had about four bets at Parks in my life, and I don't think I've backed a winner, so I don't have a favourite at the moment. <laughs> I'll leave that to, to you. But Martin, thank you very much for that question. Uh, Gabrielle's emailed in. What are your top three? I like this question. What are your top three US races, and why do you like them? Okay, um, should we alternate and do number Go one, number two, number three? We'll start at three, and okay. then work your way up. All right. My, a, my... a crescendo. Okay, cool. My third best race... My third favourite race in the US would be the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint. Now, many people would probably say, why, why the Turf Sprint? Because this is actually the only Breeders' Cup race I'm going to mention. Um, but it's, a, it's an event that draws a competitive field with runners from all around the globe. There are winning your in qualifiers in England, Ireland, France and Japan. Obviously, you've got the US runners as well, which will dominate the field. So you tend to have at least one sprinter from each part of the globe. It's brilliant to compare form. Last year, we saw Golden Powell absolutely bolt up in the race. You get to see the fastest horses around. I just think the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint is one of the best races of the year around the globe, let alone just in the US. However, it just comes in at my number three. I'm going to start off high key, but probably my only entry on dirt, which is the Kentucky Derby. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just a sensational race. It's, it's, you saw our excitement last week. It's about the, one of the only races in America where 
even people in England that don't like American racing, they're still going to watch it. They might tweet that they hate it, but you're still watching it. Like that's you're still putting in the effort. Uh, the Kentucky Derby. I, I don't need to explain why I like the Kentucky Derby. It's the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> exactly that. Um, number two for me is the Champagne Stakes. Uh, an intriguing entry here, um, probably not high on most people's list, but it's the prime two-year-old event run in New York every year. It takes place in October. Recent winners of this race include the likes of Scat Daddy, Uncle Mo, Jack Christopher, Tis the Law, one of my favorite horses of all time, um, and two years ago, Jackie's Warrior. It's a race where you tend to find the best two-year-old, um, and I'm really looking forward to this year's renewal in October. I'm going to go for the Breeders' Cup turf uh, next. It's a race that, even before I properly got into, into American racing, I just loved the English horses going over and the European horses going over and trying to take on the, the Americans. It's obviously a race that the UK won last year with a horse that we've mentioned in this, this podcast quite a lot in your beer. Um, they've had a fair bit of luck in it throughout the course of the, the, the last 10 to 15 years and, and, and further as well. But I just love the Breeders' Cup turf, mainly because it's a, it's a good opportunity to go and spank the Americans in their own backyard. <laughs> Indeed. Um, my number one, you've already mentioned it, it has to be my number one, the Kentucky Derby. I won't touch on it too long. It's just an anomaly. There's no three-year-old race around like it. There's no race around like it. Obviously, it's run on the dirt. It's the only time in the US you'll get 20 runners in a race. The whole spectacle is brilliant. The US coverage is phenomenal. The event is unmatched. Kentucky Derby, number one. Breeders' Cup, juvenile turf. I love it. It's again, it's a chance for English horses to go over and take on the American horses, but it's also a lot of unknowns as well. Um, obviously, it's a race that the, the English, the, the Europeans have had a, a bit of luck in in the last few years, but it's also a race in our betting markets over here that Americans are, are often overlooked. Um, they're generally disrespected in, in these sort of races, but it's also a race full of excitement as, as well. I remember I went to Santa Anita for the Breeders' Cup. 2016 off the top of my head Lancaster Bomber was running and all the Americans are saying this horse had no chance because he was running behind uh, it was either Glen Eagles or Churchill in all the, the top two-year-old races in the UK but to see horses realize that protect that potential and run well I just love it that that, that will always I'm going to strongly say this that will always be my favorite American race I like it yeah it didn't feature in my top three but I, I can see the angle there um two-year-old races are something else especially in the US I think the hype over there is far greater than over here um, for juveniles so I can, I can see why you put that as your number one yeah number two number three they might change that's number one <laughs> screw that in that's 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 absolutely fine um, and the final uh, question from Steve uh, what are the first things you look for when studying a US card jockeys trainers speed figures etc yeah, this is a, a very good question. Thanks, Steve, for, for tweeting me this one. Um, I'll keep it short because I probably could rattle on for about half an hour this. Um, my advice would be to not try to cover every single base, um, whether that's looking at every single card across the US, every single type of race, looking at everything you can with a race. I think you should, you've got to hone in on, on the specifics. Um, I tend to focus on certain types of races. And then when you look at a race, number one thing, and I'm sure you're going to agree with me, Luke, is you've got to find out where the speed's coming from and how quick they're going to go. If you can work out the pace scenario, you have a much better chance of finding the winner. It's not like over here where they could just dawdle through a mile. Um, there's three front runners and they're all held up. Like horses in America tend to run the same way each and every time. You can kind of work out how the pace is going to pan out in every single race. As I say, if you can find out the leader and you know that there's only one front run in the race and they're going to go slow early, that horse has a phenomenal chance. Two other things to mention briefly, trainers and jockeys, I think the discrepancy between good and bad trainers, good and bad jockeys over in America is far greater than over here. So backing a horse that's trained by 
you know, the likes of Chad Brown, Todd Pletcher, et cetera, um, would be far, would be much more attractive to me than, than backing a horse trained by the likes of Charlie Appleby over here. Not because Charlie Appleby is nowhere near as good. Of course, he's, he's as good, if not better, but you have so many good trainers in the, U, in the UK. Same with riders. And the last thing is class droppers. Now, this doesn't apply to group races, graded races, but in claimers, if a horse has been running for 25,000, which is how much a horse has entered into the race for and then can be claimed for after the race, if they've been running for 25K and they're suddenly in a race where they're, they're going to be claimed for 10K, you've got to work out whether that's a good or a bad class drop. Has the horse been performing well recently or are they just dropping down the level to see that this horse can move yards, basically get rid of the horse, or are they dropping down just to, to get a win under this horse's belt? You'll get a plenty of good bets with class droppers, but they'd be my main angles. Yeah, my main one. I'm just going to... These are my notes. Well done, Luke. Uh, <laughs> pace. It's the, it's the first one. You, you have to look at the pace first time around. And it's it would be a similar way that I'd look at English races, but not quite as key on, on pace. Uh, we mentioned it last week for the Kentucky Derby. There are about seven pace angles in the contest. You then have to work out which ones of those are going to lead, which of the outside horses are going to try and come across and and, and hamper the, the hold-up horses. We mentioned Mo Donegal. He was drawn in store one. Nightmare draw for him because he's going to get a, a, a ton of kickback. He's not going to be quickly away it's a, a horrible horrible draw zandon hold up horse he was drawn out a bit further was he eight was he ten 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 is it, it, that's fine for him he's he's gonna do whatever he wants to do uh from that mo donegal had one place to go he couldn't win from from store one as we said last week uh the pace for the, the man of war six maybe four you're gonna have an outsider leading that pace might just fall apart at a touch and obviously you do get races as well where American jockeys ride to what their horse wants. Yeah. Whether someone else is going to try and go faster than them doesn't matter. They're going to try and take them on. And a lot of the time, I know there's a misconception with dirt racing, and I used to have it as well when I was when I was younger before I, I fully got invested in in US racing and gave it a go. The, the the line of well, on dirt, the horse that gets to the front wins. At tracks like Maidan, that might work, yeah. But they go <laughs> more of a sensible gallop as well at Maidan. In America, you can see horses lead to the furlong pole and then they can finish last just because they've gone so hard early on it, it pace is so key over in america that that's the first thing first thing you, you you must must look at but uh thank you to everyone for getting their questions in uh if you've got a a, a question you want to leave for us and you're watching this on youtube uh, leave a comment in the comment section below if you are on twitter um send a question to tom i will be setting up a new twitter because they don't like me uh, next week <laughs> so, so wherever, wherever that is whatever that name is then i'll be fielding questions as well but we'll get to a few more on that next week's podcast um don't forget as well on sbk uh, new sbk customers will get 30 pounds in free bets by depositing at 10 pounds obviously though you took advantage of that last week and you had the the free 30 pounds on rich strike so well done to you <laughs> on that but if you didn't uh, you can do that t's and c's uh, do apply uh one final thing man of war we're both with, with your beer yeah i mean if we're going to get even money or anything like even money your beer is a phenomenal bet probably my nap of the week um obviously what i should mention is currently on sbk we don't have prices but we will by the time this podcast goes live which is why we're quoting the morning line prices we're saying if we get even money fingers crossed because i hope we do um i think it's a great bet luke yeah odds compilers even money should be even money <laughs> definitely be for me. It, honestly what price do you think your beer would be i would put him a two to five are you talking opening show or are you talking sp sp what price he, okay. he should be when the market's actually I, uh, are saturated i think in the us he'll go off three to five um over here i think he'll probably go off around four to seven just because gufo's in there 
um i think he deserves to be one to two two to five yeah either way play the forecast on uh, your beer and uh, and gufo but uh, uh, that's it tom thank you very much for your company once again thank you very much luke hopefully we get a couple of winners this week Yes, we'll be back with uh, Preakness uh, Day uh, next yes. week over at Pimlico, uh, where at the moment, myself and Tom agree, but that could well change. We'll see Epicenter uh, take on a whole host of horses. Secret Oath, the Kentucky Oaks winner, uh, may well be in the Preakness as well. But that's coming up next week uh, on the SBK Saturday Night Selections. For this week, let's just hope that your beer can come home in front and provide Charlie Appleby with another US winner. We'll see you in a week's time. Until then, uh, stay safe, look after another. Goodbye. Goodbye.